the first uh, week of Lent, I taught you about the devil. Uh, he's a bad guy. I don't know if you remember that. You need to remember that. Last week, we talked about the flesh, or sorry, the world. And this week, if I followed the pattern, we would talk about the flesh. But we're going to do that later. And it, I, I have an abundance of flesh, uh, so that's not the issue. But uh, I couldn't pass up the chance this reading's offered us. And the more I prayed, the more it seemed like where the Lord wanted to go. So, uh, and it starts with a question I, I actually was asked a ton when I taught high school or college, and it's this, right? Why uh, do bad things happen to good people? Yeah? Did I ever tell you I know the, you know the answer to that? Hey, I have no idea. Uh, if, if you find out, please write me a note. Uh, what I do know is bad things happen to everyone. And what I do know is that I'm aware of nobody's ever won the lottery and said, why did this happen to me? Uh, it's as if there's this part of us that's still surprised when bad things happen. It's really interesting. Uh, I remember I was in uh, Europe and I was talking to a priest there and he said, Americans, I swear to God, you're the last people surprised when bad things happen. Most of us are surprised when good things happen. Oh, sweet. But we get shocked when bad things happen. And I don't think that's a bad thing or a good thing. I just think it's what it is. But here's the key. We suffer. And in our gospel today, you heard people approach Jesus and, and basically asked him that question. Why did this terrible thing happen to good people? Or maybe that bad thing happened because they were bad people. And that was very much the theology of the day. If something bad happened, it's because you sinned. If something good happened, it's because you didn't sin. And Jesus, of course, is the one who crushes that theory. Because I don't know if you read the end. He gets killed. He's goodness himself. He's love and truth in flesh. And he got killed. And for us who follow him and love him, we need to remember that every darkness we encounter is not necessarily because we've done something wrong. It might be because we've done something right. The world does not know how to treasure love. It only knows how to kill it. When we suffer, we often ask why, and I get it, I do it too. But the more important question is how. Why is a control question. And I can't think of a time when giving someone an answer would have helped their suffering. I, I, I can't. Father, why did I lose this person I love so much? Can you imagine an answer that would compel us to go, oh, okay, that? Well, then I'm fine. Pain is pain. And we ask why, because there's a part of us, the more we hurt, the more we try to control. That's a fact. So let's look at the how. Because that's the only question in the end that matters. Because we're going to suffer. When I was at MSU, uh, where Jesus went to school, I remember uh, a group of profs at the parish, and we were talking after Mass one day, 
And one of them said this, like when I rolled up, they were getting after it, right? And I figured they might be plotting to kill me. I better check it out. Yeah. Okay, they weren't, just as a heads up. But when I approached them, what I found they were discussing as a phenomenon, now this was, come Holy Spirit, this was 2006, that for the first time in their teaching career, and one of them, a guy named Sam, he'd been teaching 32 years, and he said, this year, for the first time, I have mommy and daddy calling me about their son or daughter. He said, I've got 22-year-olds. 22, that's a two and a two together, yeah? And mommy and daddy are calling because I need to help that student. When it got there, he said, when it hit that level, when that's happening at 22, there's a problem. And it's a sign that the danger we all feared, it's coming true. And what is that danger? We are so busy rescuing the people we love from suffering that we forgot to teach them how to endure it. If we try to deliver each other all the time from every suffering, all we've succeeded in doing is changing the definition of suffering. And it gets lower and lower and lower. Why? Because we're made to suffer. We can't grow without it. And if we love someone, then we teach them to endure suffering, not to get out of it. That's really important because that's the first step in how. The first step in how to endure or how to suffer is to say, I have to suffer. There is no way around it. When we recognize that, then the second step is to recognize that Jesus saw that and came to our rescue. He said, you suffer? Well, then I'll suffer. You die? Well, then I'll die. You get betrayed? I'll get betrayed. You lose people you love? Well, then I'll lose people I love. He didn't come and take the suffering away. He transformed it. He showed us how to do it and how to make it redemptive. This is what St. Paul was talking about when in Corinthians he said, in my body, I fill up what's lacking in the sufferings of Christ. Namely, that every time we suffer, even if it's suffering because we did something stupid, and I'm very familiar with that one, yeah? We can say, Jesus, I join you on the cross. Let's save the world together. St. John Paul wrote a ton about that, and I could go on and on. You're in so much danger of that, but I'll stop. Just trust me. Step one, I'm going to suffer. There's no way around it. Step two, I'm going to suffer with Jesus. And then step three comes to us in the first reading. And I love that first reading where you know the image, right? Moses walking through the desert, minding his own business, sees a thorn bush on fire but not being consumed in the entire human uh, the, the, the future of humanity changes just because a dude went, I better check that out. Because the moment he got there, from that burning bush, God spoke. 
and said, I'm going to set you free. That burning bush is a strong image in Judaism because what is that bush? It is a prickly, unattractive thing. And it's on fire, but it's not being consumed. And from that comes the voice of God, namely, <laughs> you and I, who can be very prickly, yeah? Who can be thorn bushes on any given day. We can be on fire from pain, but we will not be consumed. Because that from which God will speak cannot be destroyed. Isn't that great news? That we can be on fire with suffering and prickly and not very practically useful and God can still speak from us because the core of us that is, that is our soul cannot be destroyed. What we recognize when we suffer is that it is not an impediment to God speaking to us and through us. And whatever we are enduring cannot destroy us unless we let it. Because that which lives in us is greater than anything in the world. I hate that the first thing to remember is that we're going to suffer. I wish I could say something easier. But it is inevitable that we suffer. And when we embrace that knowledge when we say I can't grow without pain then we take the next step and say any pain I experience however tiny however large I join you on the cross Jesus and then our suffering becomes redemptive it might not change how we feel I doubt it'll change how we feel but how we feel again that's a control thing our question isn't why, it's how. And how? With Jesus. And as we suffer with Jesus, we recognize that that suffering did not end him. He exploded out of the grave. And so will we. Today, in this week of Lent, I invite us to look at the sufferings in our life, and I know they are many. I do. And don't see them anymore as the enemy, but as an invitation. Suffering is inevitable, but it doesn't have to be pointless. I'm going to join you, Jesus, who were innocence and love and light and beauty itself, and you suffered. I'll suffer with you. Together we're going to save the world. And as we do that, remember, you might be on fire and you might be prickly, a thorn bush, but you won't be consumed. God has won. God will win. Amen? Amen. Okay.